You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Hey, so I just have a real quick comment here before we get to the IU Chicago State postgame show. Last week before the IU Southern Indiana postgame show, I used this space to let you know that we were in the midst of our listener support drive. And our goal for the listener support drive was $10,000 to help cover our expanded uh, content calendar that we have, cover all of our costs, all of that stuff. And I figured that I would need to come on here and kind of ask again, put another request out there to help us get to the goal. And I don't need to do that because we hit the goal. <laughs> we hit the goal actually on Sunday, I think. It was either Saturday or Sunday. So it was less than a week. Uh, as I record this right now, we have $10,390.84 in donations, in listener support. So I just want to use this spot to say thank you again. Thank you so much for supporting us. Not only does it mean a lot to us in terms of helping us cover the costs and do all the things financially that we need to do for the show and you know, even put a few extra bucks in our pockets at the end of the season, but even more than that is what the money represents, which may sound kind of cheesy, but really isn't. I mean, I mean this legitimately. The fact that so many of you will support us, not just by listening and sharing the show and showing up live and being in the chat mob, all of that, but actually like give us your hard-earned money because you think we deserve it and because you appreciate what we're doing, it really does mean a ton. And it is a huge part of our enthusiasm and our motivation to do this show. So really, sincerely, on behalf of Andy, Ryan, our entire team, thank you, thank you, thank you. We don't have to you know, mention the listener support drive now anymore. Take up any valuable time. We can now dedicate it all to just talking about our Hoosiers, which is what we love to do. So again, thank you. And now, without any further ado, here is the IU Chicago State postgame show. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers kick off the 2018-19 season with a resounding 104-55 victory over an overmatched Chicago State squad at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. This is a game that featured a terrific onslaught offensively by Romeo Langford in the first half, which we're about to talk about. Obviously, that was the story of the game, but a lot of really strong performances by individuals uh, for Indiana that we are going to break down here on this edition uh, of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show, as we always do. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms, and we're hoping to be joined in segment three by Zach McCrite, uh, who was at the game, and hopefully we'll be able to get him uh, uh, with us as he's driving home, uh, but all of that coming here on the Assembly Call. But Let's start tonight's show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And really, this one to me, pretty obvious. You know, it, it kind of take you back to about the middle part of the first half. It was 23-16 Indiana. Indiana had played okay, you know, but Chicago State kind of hanging around, just being a little bit pesky. Hoosiers kind of up and down. And then Romeo absolutely took over. He scored the next 11 points for IU uh, to make it a 33-18 lead and essentially put the game on ice. And what was great about it is we got to see the full offensive arsenal from Romeo because he scored in a variety of ways. He had a really nice uh, pull-up jumper uh, um, on the baseline. He had a drive into the lane for an and one, you know, where he absorbed some contact. He had a nice offensive rebound put back. Then he had that, that great play where they actually showed it. Uh, they showed the highlight on the broadcast where he was outside the three-point lane, saw the opening, stepped into about the elbow, uh, hit the little mid-range jump shot off of the pass, had another bucket too, you know, had a steal in there. Just a really, you know, kind of just a wondrous display of offense. Remember, we had that other one where he kind of knifed into the lane and scored, you know, kind of showed you everything except for hitting a three-pointer um, and free throws, which obviously we'll get to. But 
Just a really, really nice job there by Romeo Lankford. He didn't do a whole lot in the second half, but he didn't have to. You know, his efforts in the first half pushed that lead out. Uh, Chicago State would never threaten again. And it was just, you know, for Romeo's first game to do that in his first half, basically show you uh, all the offensive skills that he has in his arsenal. That was nice to see and obviously a good sign for the season to come. Okay, well, tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you, as always, by Hoosier Proud, and now home field. So for years, Hoosier Proud has been the best place to find Indiana-themed apparel made by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And back in August, our friends at Hoosier Proud actually took that expertise and created Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand that tells unique stories about a growing list of schools, including Indiana, Butler, and also a host of smaller schools that are hard to find unique apparel for. And their Indiana apparel is definitely unique. You will find designs there that you can't find anywhere else. The website address is homefieldapparel.com. This week, be sure to check out Homefield's IU Champions tee, featuring the five championship years and a vintage IU basketball design. And and I both have that T-shirt, and we love it. That's absolutely something I've got to buy. Yes, it is, Ryan. You do. Uh, and then back at their original website, HoosierProud.com, you will still find the best state of Indiana-themed apparel, plus our official assembly called Logo T-shirts, all while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana, like Habitat for Humanity of Greater Indianapolis. So the two URLs are HomeFieldApparel.com for IU gear and HoosierProud.com for everything else in Indiana, including the assembly call T-shirts. Can a brother get some coupons? Yes, you can. As always, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout at either site to get 15% off your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at HomeFieldApparel.com and HoosierProud.com. Thank you. Okay, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And tonight, it is a two-man team. I am here with Andy Bottoms. Andy, what was your bottoms line on tonight's Indiana victory? Well, I think uh, Chicago State proved to be just as bad as everyone thought they would be. But, you know, a couple couple bright spots for me, uh, both in the second half. Maybe this is just me trying to give myself reasons to continue watching the game in the second half. But, um, you know, one of the things in a game like this when when the outcome is not in doubt at all to start the half is really, um, you know, how well the team plays in the second half. And while part of this can be attributed to poor shooting from Chicago State, Still worth noting that IU only gave up 23 points in the second half in a game they led by 21 points at halftime, uh, and, and so that's a positive to me that you know intensity level didn't you, you know didn't completely let up. There were certainly some open shots that they gave, um, but I thought IU really kept the you, you know their their foot to the uh, on the gas as they went through. 34 points in the paint in the second half, um, you know forced 10 turnovers, got 10 points off those turnovers, out rebounded Chicago State, you know just did you know, what they were expected to do uh, and shot the ball really well, even made seven of 11 from the free throw line, which was a dramatic improvement over the first half. And so, you know, just thought in a game that did devolve at times into, uh, you know, kind of a glorified scrimmage. um, I I did think it was a positive sign that, you know, we saw that a little bit in the Southern Indiana game where they, you know, let up a little bit, gave up some, uh, you know, wide open shots and gave up some points in the second half. I thought that was positive. And, And one of the guys who, you know, personified that was, uh, was Robert Finnessy, you know, got, got taken out by a couple, eh, you know, maybe ticky tack calls in the first half and didn't play, uh, a whole lot, but, and, and I think it would be easy for a freshman in that scenario to really come back in in the second half and kind of press and, and feel like they have to make up for lost time. Uh, but I didn't feel like he did that. He played under control, ended up with five steals in the second half. Uh, some of which were were really impressive and just good individual plays defensively. Had a couple assists, made a couple baskets. Uh, was two for two from the free throw line, and and I thought overall just you know played a good game and played in control um, the, the way that I think even in in a very short career to this point, IU fans would expect him to do. And I thought his um, you, you know kind of leadership, I guess, in that regard, kept the team from getting too erratic, uh, at least when he was on the floor. So you know. Again, we can talk about lots of good individual performances and some bright spots, but um, you know those are a couple of things that stood out in the second half of a, of a blowout that you at least try to you know try to look for something a little bit deeper than just the score. Yeah, and look, we're going to have to ask IU fans to stop submitting your proposals to be the president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. Like there are just so many coming in, we can't process them all. Uh, I think right now the Robert or the Robert John, the Robert Finnessy Fan Club. I think right now the Robert Finnessy Fan Club is just basically the IU fan base. So if you're in the IU fan base, you're a member of that fan club, pretty much. I will say that John Crispin appeared to be uh, <laughs> angling hard for the position as president of the Robert Finnessy Fan Club. So for whatever you know, whatever we have, he certainly has a bigger platform than many of us to uh, to assume such a role. So he seemed to be a huge fan uh, over the course of his commentary in the game. That's for sure. Yes. Um, 
so Ryan is not here, uh, couldn't be with us tonight. This is normally when Ryan kind of does his rant. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to rant about something. And you, know, you might think there's not a whole lot to rant about when you win 104-45 and all that. And look, this isn't something that I'm too concerned about. And I want to get your thoughts on this, Andy. But I didn't think Juwan Morgan played very well tonight. And, you know, look, his numbers, they're fine, I guess. I mean, nine points, eight rebounds. He had three assists, you know, had a couple of blocks. I mean, he, you know, he did some of those things, stuff in the stat sheet. But, you know, this to me was more just kind of the visceral feeling I got watching it. And it was kind of a continuation of what we saw for most of the first half against Southern Indiana. Um, now, he came out in that Southern Indiana game, played much better at the start of the second half. But I just thought he looked a little... I'm not sure the right word. Like, I don't want to say that he wasn't playing hard, but he just looked a little, like, listless in a way. And maybe it's, I don't know if it was that he was overthinking it, if he just didn't have a lot of energy, if, you know, he's just kind of out of rhythm trying to figure things out with the new guys. I don't really know what to attribute it to, and he's a guy who started slow last year. So, again, I don't want to make too much of this. But his play stuck out to me as just not being overly impressive to the point where it's like, you know, you're a senior now, you're the leader, you're the guy that won that first gold, you know, the first two gold practice jerseys. I just expected a little more to see him kind of imposing his will. Um, and, and I just thought, especially defensively at the start of the second half, I thought he was really poor. His man was cutting across his face across the lane, getting position on him. Um, he wasn't really boxing out. So, you know, again, I don't want to make too much of it, but I just... I was particularly unimpressed um, with his play, in part because the bar is so high for what I expect from him. And I'm hoping against Montana State on Friday, we see a more vintage Juwan Morgan experience as we get prepared for these the Marquette and the Arkansas games. Am I way off base here? Um, you know, they played Chicago State played zone a little bit, so I don't think they got him a lot of touches. It, it did seem like. Again, at the beginning of the second half, they really had a more concerted effort to get him the ball. I thought that was a positive, but you know, you could see him getting frustrated with a couple of the calls defensively, which I thought were not great in the second half when he, you know, stepped in and made plays. So, um, I, I don't know. I think it's hard for a guy like that to, I, you know, not a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. How do you really assert yourself in a game like this when you almost don't need to? Um, but I'm kind of like you, it's like, do you, you know, do you take something away from that and say, you know, there's plenty of other players who would, who, who would assert themselves in a game like that, just to, just to kind of show something and, um, you know, kind of tell the other team in the way that, you know, he's kind of, he kind of says that he's done in practice where it's like, you know, you, you can't guard me. I'm going to challenge you today. I didn't, I, I can see why you would say what, what you did. Um, I just think it's a little bit difficult where he can kind of, and it's also a unique situation. He's able to defer a little bit more with this year's team than he did with last year's team. So I don't know if he's just trying to let other guys get going and not really command the ball. And, you know, by the time, you know, you show up in the Marquette game, he's going to really, you know, demand the ball. But I also don't think that's something you can turn off and on. So it's a little bit, yeah. if that's true, that's concerning, I guess. That's the thing. Like, it's not that, though. It's the little things. It's kind of the habit things, you know, that I don't think you turn on and off. Like, I think, I don't know. And, and, we shouldn't belabor this too much because I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think he's going to be fine. It's just a little bit concerning. I'm just surprised, I guess, is all. Like, I wouldn't expect to see a guy like that making kind of some fundamental mistakes early on. And, you know, and there was one play where, you know, in the second half, like, he, he did a really good job of getting strong position. But then once he got it and shot it, you know, he let a little bump just kind of knock him completely off balance, missed the shot. And just kind of pulled himself off the ground slowly, trudged up the court, you know, and you could see Archie like yelling at him. And I'm assuming he was yelling at him to get back on defense because there, he, he, there were a couple of transition position, uh, possessions where he didn't get back on defense. Um, so anyway, I don't know. It's just something that I'm going to kind of be watching for in the Montana State game. And, and yes, as people are mentioning in the YouTube chat, you know, the bar for, of expectation for him is high. And so that's part of this. Like, I guess I just expected him to really come out and set the tone the first couple games. And I really feel like the tone setters for this team have been more, you know, Romeo Langford and Zach McRoberts, especially, who we're going to get to, who I thought was fantastic on defense tonight. So, you know, look, there's not a lot to rant about, you know, so <laughs> that's what I'm picking out. But it's just it's a little teeny tiny concern that I'm just going to watch as we move forward. Yeah, I think that's fair. I assumed you were going to rant about the free throw shooting in the first half, which was atrocious. I mean, all right. But, <laughs> well, okay. Um, if, that, if Ryan were here, that is definitely that was leading up to as you started that. But well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, it, you know, Juwan is, Juwan is an interesting one, it, you know, is interesting to me because it, 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 it was kind of just a weird, a weird performance. And I don't know. You yes. Know, what you weird is that. a good way to put it. 
against a team that just, you know, you didn't need to do anything, but it, you know, I, I agree with what, what you said that you want to still see the little things in a, in a game like that. I don't, I don't really know. It did seem odd to me. And I found myself kind of watching him a little bit in the second half and just seemed like he was easily frustrated by, yeah. you know, some of the things, like I said, the calls were, I didn't necessarily agree with, you know, he basically just like takes the ball away from the guy and he falls down and then, you know, they give him the foul call. I thought that was, was weird, but I, so I don't know if he just, you know, got frustrated early when things, you know, didn't really get his shots to fall. And, uh, in a game where you could kind of wander a little bit and not have it matter. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it was, it was weird. I'll, I'll give you that, but I'm not concerned about it, but right. uh, a little bit odd and, and presumably, you know, Montana state will, will do something a bit different defensively and maybe there's something else to be, you know, to be seen there, but, um, We'll, we'll see about that. But yeah, I, I assume you're going free throw shooting because if Ryan were here, that is assuredly what he would have ranted about. Yeah, it is what he would. Okay, so let, let's just get this out of the way and then we can go. We can close the segment and get on to more fun stuff because I've got some really good, meaningful moments you might have missed and I'm excited to get to those. But let's just talk free throw shooting real quick. Clearly, that was the biggest issue of the game. 19 for 33, 57.6%. Second straight game where the free throw shooting hasn't been good. In fact, it was worse tonight. And... You know, to a certain extent, you know, you look at that number, like like Deron Davis, right? He's one guy who was really bad from the free throw line last year after a good freshman season. We're kind of all hoping he can get it back. His free throw shooting looked terrible. Like he almost, you know, like he short-armed one. Like he really looked like a guy who didn't have much confidence there. Um, and he went 0 for 3 from the line. Romeo 5 for 11. I'm not as concerned about him because he has a track record of being a good free throw shooter. And yet this free throw disease seems to be contagious. So in a sense, I kind of am worried about him <laughs> because he's already not starting out well. And like, like, what's going on? Like, I don't know. I just don't understand why we're shooting so poorly from the line. Yeah, it was it was strange. I mean, it, uh, the, the Duran thing from last year was one thing about, you know, he clearly lost his confidence at some point. But yeah, I mean, Romeo, you know, it, it seemed like when he really focused, I think Crispin mentioned it once on the broadcast where he really kind of focused on like, you know, bending his knees a little bit more, getting better extension and made him and I think he he shot better in the second I think he made both of his in the second half uh Justin Smith missed a couple early but I think you know kind of came back to make uh to make most of his and then you know Forrester and, and Clifton Moritz missed one there you, you know later later in in the game but they actually made a few to close the first half I feel like to even get up to 12 for for 22 so yeah you know, Langford missed six of the 10 that they missed in the first half so a lot of that was him Duran was you know two of the others and, and Justin Smith the other so Fitzner, uh, Fitzner shot it well. He might be the uh, if if anybody gets a technical foul while he's on the floor, it feels like he's <laughs> got to be the guy that you send up there, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So, but good that they're getting to the line. So yes. that's a positive. Archie mentioned about really wanting that to be part of the offense. So that part was good. Now, now we just got to work on just converting once they get start there. making a few of them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's big victory over Chicago State, I will point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed. And then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 104-55 victory over Chicago State tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And it is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And, Andy, I want to use this segment to highlight two players who I thought were outstanding tonight, especially in the first half. Let's start with Zach McRoberts. Chicago State cut Indiana's lead to 16-13 in the first half. You know, it's easy to forget that when you end up winning the game by, you know, whatever it was, 49 points. And I thought Indiana came out and played pretty good defensively early, but there was definitely a lapse there defensively. And it occurred when Zach McRoberts went to the bench. And so he goes to the bench. Chicago State cuts it to 16-13. He comes in, and immediately the defense gets better. Now, part of that is just having Zach on the floor because he is a terrific individual defender. But, you know, another part of it I tend to think is just, you know, whereas I didn't, you know, to go back to what I said about Juwan, like I just didn't think that he had the kind of energy that people feed off of. That's part of the issue I had with him. I thought Zach really did. Like he came back in, he, you know, Indiana gets a bunch of stops. The first two, uh, Zach got these emphatic rebounds on. He's just hustling all over the court. Chicago State doesn't score for three plus minutes. And of course, that was while on the other end, Romeo Langford was just going supernova offensively and Indiana extended to a 33 to 18 lead. But I think it's really easy 
to remember everything that Romeo did offensively, but let's remember that on the other end of the court, Chicago State wasn't scoring, and I thought a big part of that was just Zach McRoberts, you know, him actually getting out there, making plays, getting rebounds, but again, just the tone that he sets, and I think that's such a big reason why he's a starter for this team, why I think he's going to be playing, you know, in the mid-20s, you know, in minutes, and not to mention, he knocked down a couple of threes, so you know, on a really bright side early in the season, we kind of knew what we were going to get from him defensively. We wanted to see him be able to step up and make threes. He's done that. But man, you know, the bread and butter of his game, that defensive intensity and and the tone that he sets, I thought we really saw there during that middle part of the first half. Yeah, I agree. I, I know you mentioned that on Twitter and, and you know, he was really active rebounding um, in a way that, that, he showed at times last year, but wasn't really consistent. I mean, he had seven rebounds. That was second on the team behind Juwan. Um, and his seven defensive rebounds were the most of anybody. So, uh, you know, he did that, stepped in, knocked down those couple threes. You know, the first one he hit, he kind of passed up an open shot, passed it back, and then they gave it back to him. And then he was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to shoot yeah. um, and knocked it down. And so, you know, he continues to to shoot well from there. Three assists, no turnovers. Um, he was in 18 minutes. He was plus the IU was plus 36 when he was on the court. So I know we've talked before about not a coincidence plus minus in a, you know, in a, in a game by game basis to mean a whole lot. But I think he was among, if not the leader in that, in the exhibition game too, if I'm remembering correctly, because isn't that why Ryan picked him as his uh, player of the game? Or am I totally making that up? And I'm, I, I don't, I don't recall, but it, I don't know. So, sounds anyway. about right. Okay, that sounds good. Um, but uh, so I, I did think he played really well and just, you know, sets the tone was, um, you know, kind of everything that you expect him to be continues to be the guy that you look at and say, I know exactly what I'm going to get from this guy on any given night. And it's hard to uh, it's hard to put a value on something like that when, um, you know, you've got a, a deep team and and all that. But it's uh, it, it's pretty amazing to see him just show up game in, game out give you the same kind of intensity, performance, effort, uh, all those kinds of things, and uh, really sets a good example for everybody else and ultimately is why he's a captain of the team. Yeah, I mean, we're almost getting more from him than, than you expect. You know, you mentioned the six points. It only took him two shots to do it because he knocked down both the threes and the three assists. You know, he was a guy out there, you know, making good passes, being active offensively. He was absolutely terrific tonight. And, you know, again, he's not a guy where it's always going to show up on the stat sheet. You know, to a certain extent it did. But also just, you know, you know, why is Indiana, you know, that big plus while he's on the court? Again, in large part because of the tone that he sets. Um, all right. Another meaningful moment. There was a, just a terrific sequence by Evan Fitzner in the first half. And, you know, he was relatively quiet in the second half. But I thought he was really, really good in the first half. And it was toward the end um, of the half. He, he had a sequence where you know, he, he got the ball on out-of-bounds play down near the right block, had a beautiful little jump hook, then goes down on the other end, really does a nice job defensively, you know, moving laterally. And he's not a guy that has great lateral movement. But, you know, he does have good anticipation on defense. And, I th you know, so far, he, to me, looks like a guy that just plays really hard. Like, he plays hard defensively. He runs the court in transition. But anyway, on that defensive play, you know, forced a tough shot in the lane, goes down on the other end, drains, a, you know, just a majestic three-pointer from the corner. And then, I think it was maybe two defensive possessions later, sprints the court in transition to get a big defensive rebound. And I thought, you know, kind of in that sequence showed a lot of the things that you're hoping to get out of him. Obviously, the ability to stretch the floor with the three-pointer, um, you know, but also, you know, it, he talked about wanting to expand his post game a little bit. That jump hook was really nice. And defensively, you know, look, you're not expecting a ton from him defensively. You just want him to hold his own and be a guy who can get you rebounds. I thought he showed it all in that sequence. And overall for the game, 14 points, you know, six rebounds, a really, really efficient 16 minutes. If what we saw from Zach and Evan tonight, you know, is any kind of indication of what we'll get from them consistently and all caveats for the competition, but if that's a sign of what they're going to do, those two guys are going to be huge. Not that we're that surprised by that, but it's nice to actually go out and see it. And I thought Evan, in addition to Zach, was really, really good tonight. Yeah, I think I wrote some things down about Fitzner in that same sequence that you talked about. It was funny because I had written, you know, he kind of made a little jump hook in the post. And at that point, I think he scored all of his points in the paint or at the... Uh, you know, or on a uh, on a putback and and got sent to the free throw line. Then immediately after that, then he hits that three that you talked about, gets fouled, makes two free throws, and um, y you know, he was he was another guy, just you know, really really consistent. Uh, you know, had six rebounds as well, so all those on the defensive end. And I think defensively, it, you know, I don't think anybody believed he's certainly being asked to play def defense in a different way than what he would have been at St. Mary's. 
but you've also got a guy who's got a ton of size. And so, you know, you could see sequences in, I think this was in the second half where he's just like, you know, jump with your arms straight up, alter some shots and see what happens. Like you don't have to be super physical. You don't have to swat the ball into the, you know, 11th row and, and do things like that. So I think they're, they seem to be getting him to, to use his size in a positive way defensively, even though to your point, maybe the, you know, underlying, skills and things like that might not be there that other guys would have just in terms of the you know quickness and ability to move laterally but I, I thought you know he's given them what they need defensively and seems to be figuring out the concepts well enough uh, early on and I think that's you know as we saw with this team last year a challenge to pick up what Archie wants to do defensively in their first year it's his first year in this program after playing four years someplace else so he's um, you know pretty steep learning curve but I think he's doing enough on that end of the floor that um, you know it's kind of a hey don't don't hurt things and then just do what you can do offensively. And and he, he was really solid. I also did look up and Roberts was uh tops and plus minus in the exhibition game. So I just really wanted to do that to validate my own memory is not completely failing me. So <laughs> we're, we're good on that. Very nice. You're listening to the assembly call. IU post game show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms, breaking down Indiana's season opening victory over Chicago state. Andy, it's time to go into the numbers uh, inside the numbers. And the thing that really jumps out to me is the, the steals number again. Indiana gets 12 steals. I believe, you know, if you take into account the Loyola uh, exhibition game and the stats that we got out of that, that's double-digit steals in every game so far for Indiana. Um, Robert Finnessy had five steals. Also had the one terrific steal where he turned it over and then sprints back on defense and <laughs> gets the steal right back. <laughs> just, I don't for, for some reason, like, that play just kind of sums up Robert Finnessy to me. Like, he turns it over with a bad pass and just goes and makes up for it right away. Like, it just, that's, that's kind of what we've come to expect from him. Um... You know, Devontae Green had four of those turnovers. And look, he's a guy that's been hurt, you know, so kind of forced some things. I thought we saw some good, some bad from him. We'll break him down a little bit more in segment three. But, you know, really encouraged by these steal numbers. And I thought we really saw some possessions where Indiana put a lot of pressure on the ball. You know, the the one memorable play where Devontae Green actually defended two guys out at the top of the key who were dribbling and forced a really bad shot at the end of the shot clock. You know, the fans started cheering because it was great defensive effort. I think we're really seeing Indiana's guards, you know, Devontae, Robert Finnessy, Romeo, obviously, who had another steal tonight, do a nice job of putting pressure on the ball and also, you know, getting in passing lanes and just being opportunistic um, with when when they're able to go get turnovers. And I think that's important because it helped lead to 30 fast break points for Indiana. And while we all want to see the half court offense get better, I think this team is really going to have to rely early in the season in some of their bigger games against better defenses on getting out in transition and getting some points that way as, as that offense comes around. So it's nice to see that they're getting in that habit. They're forcing turnovers. They're getting out in transition. Um, so those numbers really jumped out to me. What stood out to you? Uh, yeah, definitely the, the points off turnovers um, was one and that, you know, corresponds directly to those steals that you talked about 25 points off turnovers that was a big part of the offense uh against southern indiana so that that was a, a positive um the uh you know fast break points talked about iu getting 30 they only gave up eight and that was one of the things that archie talked about earlier in the week uh i guess it's only tuesday i have no idea what the i, I may have remembered who ryan picked this is mvp from the last game but i have no idea what day of the week it is so um you know, he mentioned leading up to the game that that was one of the things he wasn't happy with in the Southern Indiana game, something that he was really looking at in this game. And again, while there was not a uh, an ability to really make shots consistently for Chicago State, didn't really give up, um, you know, you know, easy baskets uh, in transition. So I think that was, uh, I think that was definitely a positive bench point, 51, 54 points in the paint. Uh, and I think that was, you know, again, a lot of those are coming in transition in those kinds of scenarios. 13 offensive rebounds uh, was uh, was a positive. And I think if we look at the assist numbers in the first half, IU had 11 assists on 18 made field goals, which was, uh, you know, one really of the things good. I believe in the first half the other night was not particularly good. Um, that, that fell off a little bit in the second half, nine assists on 21 makes uh, as the game kind of, you know, broke down a little bit in segments. But I think that's, you know, positive trying to set other people up. And, and you know, like I said, I mentioned the bench points. That's, you know, maybe even more impressive when you figure that, again, three guys weren't playing who you would expect to be part of the rotation. And, um, you know, another good game to let everybody get going. And, you know, Chicago State did not shoot the ball well uh, at all. But, you know, give IU some credit for that. They shot just 31% uh, or almost 32% for the game, under 25% from three-point range. Um, so, you know, while... 
I don't know that you can attribute all of that to defense and and none of that to the talent deficiency that was at play. Um, I do think it's a positive for IU, and I thought they maintained intensity fairly well for most of the game uh, on that end of the floor, given the given the circumstances and the you know kind of time and score situations. And how about VJ Blackman with five points on two shots in three minutes? <laughs> I don't think his coaches yeah. were happy with the last one, but it nope, was definitely not, it was definitely vintage Blackman. <laughs> not too much, yes. As we as we mentioned before, uh, we went on air. He definitely went full Blackman over the course of the uh, the latter part of that game. Um, you know, the other thing that that obviously everybody's looking at is the point guard play and what kind of point guard play do we get? You know, and I think we might have seen, you know, kind of what that's going to look like, where with Devontae Green, you're probably going to get, you know, maybe a little bit more scoring. He had the 15 points. Obviously, he can create shots for himself. Did have three assists, but had the four turnovers. Robert Finnessy, you know, after taking leading the team in shots against Southern Indiana, only takes four shots tonight, really picked his spots well, and had five assists and two turnovers. So certainly more solid on the assist-turnover ratio overall eight assists to six turnovers for those two guys. You know, that's okay. Obviously, you know, the eight assist number between the two of them, you'll take that. You'd like to see him reduce the turnovers. Uh, And I'm willing to give Devontae a little bit of a pass just because he hasn't been practicing. And, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, you say that, but also some of those were decisions that we've seen Devontae make in the past. So I don't want to give him too much of a pass. Um, But we also saw those two guys play. And I don't know how many minutes they were out there on the court. um, And, uh, you know, I was going to say the plus minus would be interesting to see, but I don't know how much we'd actually learn just given the competition. But it was interesting, you know, to see those two guys out there playing together, um, you know, and a couple of assumptions I've been making that I think I'm ready to say I was wrong on, or at least, you know, maybe not necessarily wrong, but the evidence is now swaying me in a new direction is I think it's going to be really hard to take Robert Finnessy out of the starting lineup because he's just so solid. And I also think we're going to see he and Devontae play together in certain situations more than maybe I thought, because I think Devontae can be effective off the ball. And maybe if he doesn't have the pressure of being the playmaker all of the time, that will give him maybe even a little bit more freedom to, to be comfortable doing what he likes to do so long as he reins it in, you know, and doesn't turn it over like we saw tonight. So some interesting, just some interesting observations seeing those two guys on the court together tonight. Yeah, somebody remarked about the two of them playing together at the same time that Duran and Fitzner were playing together. And those guys have played together quite a bit over yeah, these couple have. games, which is which is definitely not anything any of us would have expected. But, uh, y- you know, I, you watch Devante and and you hear all the things about the offseason and then he kind of shows up and it's like, well, this is I feel like this is the same guy. And I don't even mean that in a bad way, but. You know, he had plays where he was just trying to be that play at the end of the first half was a perfect example of like just kind of got caught up trying to, you know, do something. Justin Smith saved him a little bit by, you know, running that play down. He almost makes a half court shot to end it. But it was just. Again, this is going to come off in a way that is probably not what I would intend, but like fantasy would not have done that at the end of the half, even as a freshman, like he's not going fancy dribble and trying to do all this stuff and and do that at the end of the half. He's just not, he had chances to do that, that during the other points in the game and he just didn't. Um, so to me, he is, ex- you know, they kind of balance each other out and maybe that's why playing them together actually makes a little bit of sense. Um, but there were times that Devante made great plays and there were other times I wrote down, he like, they're up 15. He takes a pull up three with, you know, seven seconds into the shot clock. Like, okay, fine. Like you can take that <laughs> shot in this game and nobody really, Nobody really cares, but I I found myself, you know, kind of comparing it to the like, all right, would is there any scenario under which like fantasy would have taken that shot? I guess I don't believe based on what we've seen from him and heard about him thus far that the answer to that is yes. So that doesn't make it good or bad, but I, I do. There, think- there are also buckets Devontae Green got that Robert Fennessey would never dream of because he wouldn't he wouldn't see it and he wouldn't attempt it, and Devontae can mm-hmm. make those. So yep, it, it's bumpers, you know. Yeah, hundred percent true. So I think. You know, I think it's trying to figure out, you know, to your point, how those guys play together, what you need in a given game and, and trying to figure it out that way. But I, 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 like I said, I found myself thinking, like, I'm not sure this Devontae Green is any different than the one that we saw last year. And maybe in some stretches, you'll see a little bit of that. But I mean, that defensive play he made was fantastic. But a couple of plays earlier, he had gotten beat, you know, let the guy drive right by him. And so but again, that's the kind of stuff you, you've seen from him the last couple of years of like, if he really wants to lock down, he's a guy who said, like, I want to be the best defender in the Big Ten. And on plays like that, he looks like he could be. And there's other plays that he that he didn't. And um, so which is not to say that Fantasy didn't get beat in any of those kinds of things. So it's it's an interesting 
there's such a contrast in the way they play the position that I think it will be very polarizing for people in the fan base as they try to like sort out what is going to happen at a position that most have deemed kind of the most important for IU coming into the season. So it's, it's an interesting storyline. We're just getting started going through it, but um, you're starting to see, you know, really what these guys are. And in, in, you know, Devante's case, it may not be all that different than what we've seen. And in Finnessy's case, I think it's everything that he was billed to be. Uh, and it, it becomes a little bit difficult. And like you said, I think at some point it becomes hard. You can kind of point to the injury tonight. I'm not sure at what point it gets too hard to say, I'm not going to start Robert Finnessy. Um, and so, you know, who knows when we'll find, figure out what that time frame is. But I was surprised, I was surprised for one, um, that when I heard Devante was healthy to me, I just assumed that he was going to start. And that's, that's not the case, but perhaps John Rothstein can confirm confirm that with a source from within the program. <laughs> oh, that's that's good, like low key college basketball humor right there. That's solid. Hey, hey, I'm gonna tweet something out 24 hours later. Act like I got it from this great source. Yeah. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Chicago State. We'll talk Justin Smith and more. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night and Monday afternoon at our website, assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's 104-55 victory over Chicago State. I do want to take just one really quick minute, uh, talk about our donation drive, which is over. We weren't, It wasn't supposed to be over until Friday, but we hit our goal over the weekend. So we just want to take a quick moment and say thank you for all of the reasons that we've that we've been thanking you, but your support means a ton to us. Um, obviously, you know, will help us get through the season and you know cover all of our costs and everything like that. But more than that, just the knowledge that you believe enough in what we're doing to support us, like you do, uh, buoys us and motivates us and and gives us a lot of enthusiasm. So uh, we just wanted to, to take a minute and say thank you. Uh, we really appreciate all the support. Yeah, definitely. Thanks to everybody. It's uh, I think these last couple of years we've set what what we felt were pretty lofty goals for that. And uh, everybody has come through with flying colors. So uh, we'll, we'll make sure that you're not a, a product of your own or a uh, injured by, I don't, what do they say? Like hurt by your own success and start <laughs> to throw out even, you know, some kind of outlandish figure for next year. But, uh, but now we, we really appreciate all the support. It's, it's been awesome. And a lot of great, um, you know, emails and, and notes that have come along with those. It's been pretty cool to, uh, I know I've interacted with a handful of people. I know Jared probably has has done so more than I have, but uh, but always cool to hear from everybody and and you know where they listen to the show, how they got started listening to it, and uh, things like that. So we we truly appreciate it. Yes. Um, okay. So Andy, let's talk about a few guys that we haven't really had a chance to address yet, uh, and let's start with Justin Smith. I thought he struggled early on in the game, you know, kind of like Juwan in the first half. It just seemed like he had a little bit of trouble getting going. And I thought in the second half, he was, you know, more active, got out in transition, ended up finishing with 13 points. Uh, was pretty efficient doing it too. You know, seven field goal attempts. I don't, I can't remember a field goal attempt he had that was outside of right at the rim. I think pretty much every shot he took was right at the rim. Um, so, you know, so it was nice to see. Um, and, and as he gets more comfortable kind of figuring out how he's going to function in a half-court offense now with new guys around him like Robert Finnessy and Romeo Langford, he is a guy that I think is going to, you know, kind of do a lot of his production out there in transition. Um, so nice to see that. Nice to see him, you know, kind of rebound from a bit of a kind of a ho-hum first half and play better there um, in the uh, in the second half. Yeah, I definitely thought that was uh, I definitely thought that was key for him to get out and transition, get some of those easy baskets. And, um, you know, I think we are seeing from him is a guy who has, you know, he had eight free throw attempts tonight, seven field goal attempts. So I think you are seeing you know, at one um, in, you know, each each game, one of the first couple plays, you know, he's gotten fouled, you know, just being active along the baseline and gotten to the line. So I do think we're going to see him as a guy who can really, you know, if he can improve his free throw shooting, I think he's going to get fouled and get put on the line because, you know, the other guys on the floor are attracting so much defensively. Uh, they're going to be able to find him, give him scoring opportunities. So if he can convert around the rim and convert at the free throw line, uh, I think he's going to going to do really well. And I think he's a guy who has, even as, you know, maybe even if you figure he's the third option on the floor, I think it is going to be somewhat challenging for him to score in the half court off of, 
you know, he's going to have to score off those kinds of, you know, Troy Williams type, you know, you know, baseline cuts and things like that. Cause he's not a guy you're going to post up in the same way you would Juwan Morgan and, and maybe not necessarily a guy short of a mismatch that you'd put on the perimeter and try to let him drive by somebody like Romeo. So, um, you know, shown the ability to knock down the three, didn't take any tonight, I don't believe. Um, but I, I thought a good performance from him in the second half, good activity level, even that play that I mentioned at the end of the first half where he, you know, sprinted back and, and caught that ball over his shoulder. So I thought he's doing some good things, you know, defensively and just from on an activity standpoint that, that are good. I think it's just going to be figuring out where, uh, you know, kind of where his bread and butter is offensively, given the, the supporting cast. All right, we're going to do something a little bit risky here. We've got our buddy Zach McCright. He is here. We're going to bring him on uh, without having done an audio check or anything, but he is driving back from the game. Zach, of course, you'll recall, called so many of Romeo's games in high school, was there for Romeo's first official college game tonight. Zach, welcome back to the Assembly Call. What did you think of Romeo's first game as a Hoosier? Well, thank you very much for having me. I hope you can hear me okay. Uh, check, check. One, yeah. two, one, two. All sounds um, good. Uh, good. Uh, I was... um. I, I was, you know, decently impressed. You know, I, I, I mean, I know everybody's probably going to be talking about his free throw shooting and, and all that stuff. And I know that you could, you could tell that was uh, bugging him as it probably would anybody. You don't, you know, you never see any emotion out of Romeo at all. So whenever you see just the, the slightest, you know, tap of his thigh or something like that, you know, he's mad. And you could see that a couple of times uh, tonight when he was at the free throw line. So, um, you know, I, I certainly thought he was more aggressive, uh, added a little more strength when he got to the rim compared to the game against Southern Indiana, which I'm sure was uh, talked about between uh, the last game and this one. And, uh, you know, cold a little bit from the three point line. But, man, uh, you know, I, and I know we, we're going to have to throw the caveat in for this game and the next game, et cetera. But, uh, but you know, uh, you know, opponent notwithstanding. Um, you know, able to slash to the rim like uh, like many who saw saw him in high school have seen for, you know, a good good handful of years. So, um, you know, a great night for him. And, and uh, you know, Indiana, while as, on a whole, as I know offensively, they, they throw up 100 points and you kind of still think, oh, well, you know, there's some things they could probably do a little bit better. And it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. That's nice. And, and uh, you know, defensively, I'm sure – there'll be some things that, uh, that Archie wants to see them work on for sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, overall a good performance, a cool performance and, a, and, uh, a definitely a, a different feel of an IU team compared to last year. By the way, some people in the live chat are very concerned. Are you driving right now while you're talking? I'm not this? driving. Okay. I'm not driving. I'm actually in the backseat <laughs> of, uh, of, uh, a car full of, uh, four guys. So if okay, you good. hear them chatting in the background, uh, my, all apologies. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah. That, let me give one story real quick. I don't know if you could hear that in the background, but um, I just thought, you know, my Big Ten brethren, both, uh, both, uh, who I'm talking to as as uh, as a co-host here and and in the live chat and on the podcast, I'm sure will get a kick out of this. It wasn't two and a half minutes into the first regular season game of the year before I heard one of my friends who I went to the game with tonight say, "Bring back TV, Teddy." Uh, no, they, they were very up, they were very upset with the officiating. This, this uh, suggests think, you need to get new friends. I, that's, that's right. The that's big right. takeaway so, for me. Yeah, that that friend is currently on friend probation. So, was yeah. it Ted Valentine? <laughs> <laughs> was not, yeah. My friend is not Ted Valentine. No, no. Uh, that's pretty good. I like that. I, I knew that drop was going to come in handy at some point. Um, so let me ask you this about Romeo's defense, um, because, you know, I think that was kind of one of the big question marks. We know how how great he's going to be as a scorer and that onslaught he put on the first half where he scored 10 straight points. I mean, it just showed almost his full arsenal outside of shooting threes. What have you thought about him defensively so far? Because to me, he's been pretty active, pretty engaged. Obviously, you know, the steals have kind of grabbed the headlines, but he's been, I think, a little bit better defensively than I thought early on. Oh, I, I totally agree. And I mean, I, I know, and, and by the way, we're moving now. So if my, if my, uh, if my signal goes away, all apologies. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm one of those people who was very, um, well, I don't want to say very concerned, but certainly it was my biggest concern about Romeo when he jumped from high school to college was his uh, play on the defensive end. And so far through the two games that I've gotten to see this one in the Southern Indiana game, um, he's certainly, played above my expectation and again you know we throw in the um the opponent caveat here 
but his, you know, one thing that I noticed in person tonight that I didn't get to notice uh, as much in the Southern Indiana game was just his overall length. Um, man, he he really takes up a lot of room with his wingspan uh, out on the perimeter, um, and you know that, and he's and, and he does have enough quickness if you if he wants to use it. Sometimes I, I know I get caught up in this on the defensive end watching him play, and maybe others do too. He he's almost you know we we see his effortlessness on offense so many times, and the same thing happens on the defensive end. And sometimes that effortlessness um, it, it tricks our mind into thinking that maybe uh, he's not giving enough effort on the defensive end mm. where, um, you know, I, I think it might be a trick in our heads. I don't know. It's, it's still yet to be seen. And I still think the jury's out. But through, through two games, he's certainly exceeded my expectations defensively. Awesome. Andy, do you have any other questions that you want to ask Zach? Uh, Zach, this is your chance to put everybody at ease about the free throw shooting. As somebody who watched... As somebody who watched Romeo, oh, this yeah. is your this yeah. is your chance to do like a, this is like a public service that you can do for the IU fan base right yeah. now. So. Good luck because everyone's freaking out. Yeah, so everyone, so everybody. clearly everyone's freaking out. Tell us what kind of free throw shooter he was over the course of his his time there, and if and if a stretch such as this uh, is atypical or or everyone should just calm down and uh, and move on. It is certainly atypical. Anybody who saw him in high school uh, would be, was probably just as shocked as he was shooting free throws. I want to say last year, um, New Albany High School does uh, a college, a, a, a NCAA Division One type of statistical record keeping. It is phenomenal. And so we get a huge stat book before every game whenever we cover a New Albany High School basketball game. And I'll, I'm going to guess, if memory serves, that he was around a 76 to 78 percent free throw shooter, uh, including la last year. Maybe he was like 74, 75. So um, free throw shooting, in my opinion, will not be a problem. If it is, then it's certainly if he had if he had if he does what he did tonight, then it's a, a, a real case of the yips. So I, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's something you should get used to. Tonight was very atypical. So I'm going to go ahead and try to ease everybody's nerves in, in that department. He, he was just as uh, PO'd and maybe surprised uh, as everyone else was at his free throw shooting. So all, all will be fine in, in the near future. Yeah, well, you know what? My daughter, the first 18 months of her life, never got sick. And then she got to preschool around all the other sick kids, and she, and she was getting sick every week. So I'm just, I'm just worried that our contagious free throw shooting disease has, uh, has gotten Romeo, but hopefully not. We'll, we'll, let's all, we'll take a few games before we overreact too much yeah. to that. Sign of the cross for all of you <laughs> that believe in that stuff. Sign of the cross. <laughs> all right, Zach McCrite, thanks for joining us. We'll, we look forward to getting you on some postgame shows uh, later on this season, man. Thanks for right, stopping by and giving us your insight on Romeo. You got it. See you guys. All right. See you, man. Okay. The great Zach McCrite joining us. Always awesome to get his insight. Um, Andy, we got a couple of minutes left in this segment. Who? Let's talk about Demisey. Um, He was obviously the big story after the Southern Indiana game, the comparisons to Rod Wilmont, the four of seven from downtown. Uh, you know, tonight I thought, you know, had a couple of nice moments offensively, um, hit a three-pointer, had what I thought was a really nice drive to the basket. Uh, but also I thought it really stood out in the first half he got beaten several times defensively, you know, was slow to get out to three point shooters, um, you know, lost his man a couple of times, uh, which look, that's one of the question marks that, that we've had about him um, is, is, you know, his, his ability on defense. Um, so, you know, still a solid night for him, but I thought tonight we saw maybe more of the struggles than in the, in that game against Southern Indiana, where we obviously saw what he does the best. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, and, and by his own admission, I think the defensive part of the game is something that he was really struggling with. Uh, and so I think you saw a little bit of that where, it, you know, just closeouts and things like that and just being able to, you know, kind of move and, and cut off driving lanes uh, will be a little bit of a challenge. I didn't necessarily, you know, on the positive side, I don't think feel like didn't feel like he forced shots. He ended up taking five shots, but he got four rebounds. Uh, did have a couple assists, and and so I thought he was able to contribute in other ways, even when he wasn't scoring as well. But yeah, I think defensively, uh, you know, I don't think there was any question about the scoring even coming into the Southern Indiana game as a guy who you know could just kind of show up and and, and go get buckets. Uh, I don't think that's any different tonight. I think his 
you know, we say we've said this a lot since Archie came in, you know, the playing time is going to be tied directly to how well uh, he can contribute defensively. And so tonight showed a little bit of, you know, what he has to do uh, to get from where he is now to, you know, being a more consistent defender. But, um, you know, a slight step back, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. But I, you know, I thought he still competed well and found ways to contribute. You know, and of course, we should mention, we all want to see Jerome Hunter make his debut. We want to see Race Thompson make his debut. We didn't get to see Al Durham. Those are, as we were listing out our preseason rotations, those are three guys that we all had in the top eight or nine. So as we talk about you know, the offense struggling to get some chemistry and some of those things, we also haven't seen this team at full strength yet and seen some of the guys that are really going to be counted on in the rotation. Um, and so you know, that, that's important to note. And obviously, we, we look forward to getting those guys back. It doesn't sound like Al or Race are going to play against Montana State, but hopefully they are ready to make their, de- the, their debut against Marquette. Uh, let's just close this segment up, Andy. Anything else uh, that you want to note about guys like Jake Forrester and Clifton Moore who came in there and played at the end? You know, Clifton Moore had a couple of nice little jump hooks. That was nice to see. I thought, you know, it was interesting to contrast, I thought, the defense between Moore and Forrester and Deron Davis and Evan Fitzner. Because Moore and Forrester, they would kind of be out of position, but they were so active and they're so athletic and so long, they could kind of make up for it. Whereas Fitzner and Davis not as athletic, you know, a little bit slower <laughs> tied to the ground. But I thought both Fitzner and Davis played really good defense, mostly by playing really hard, kind of being in position and being smarter. But you kind of saw that contrast between the two guys who have been around a little bit longer playing the old man defense, and then these young bucks, Clifton Moore and Jake Forrester, just out there flying around making plays. Yeah, there's definitely a there's definitely a, a part of, of watching those guys that know, like, I might not be able to make up for... Uh, you know, I might, I, they're going to gamble a little bit less because I think they have less of ability to make up for it and erase that mistake uh, on the back end. But I, I think activity level wise, they were, you know, uh, um, Forrester and, and Moore were both, were both solid. And, you know, that's seven rebounds between them and not a ton of, of playing time. So I think you saw some things there. Um, we're able to get some baskets inside and, uh, you know, just activity level wise, it, it's there. But I do think as we start trying to figure out, you know, rotation for the team. I think the fact that it was so long before they got in in a game like this with the guys missing that were, I think it's a you know a, a firm indication that they're you know on the outside looking into what the rotation is going to be at this point. Yep. So okay. at least there's some clarity in that regard as we've looked for for the course of the offseason. For sure. Yes. All right. Coming up in our final segment, we hand out our game ball, uh, take a look at Indiana's next opponent, and then last call. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 104 to 55 victory over Chicago State. Andy, real quick before we get to game balls, I just realized we haven't really talked much about Deron Davis, and I feel like he warrants some mention. Deron had four points tonight, two for two from the field. You know, we mentioned the free throw shooting; it was not good. He was 0 for three. But I thought tonight was another step in the right direction for Duran. You know, we saw a couple nice post moves from him. Uh, even saw him kind of face up and drive into the lane one time, which was nice to see, uh, even though he ended up, you know, missing it and getting fouled and missing the free throw. You know, he, I, I've been, I've really been impressed with just how hard it looks like he's playing. He's obviously still limited movement wise, even, even for a guy who doesn't, who wasn't moving that well before. He's still, you know, he's probably, you know, still not even back to that point yet. But, I like the effort. I like the fact that it doesn't look like his timing or his footwork offensively have, have been like, if he gets the ball on balance, it seems like he's still able to do Deron Davis things down in the post, which is where, you know, obviously he provides most of his value. So, and even defensively, you know, not great, but like I said, was in the right positions, was hustling, you know, and then, and, and so in all, I just thought another nice step in the right direction for him uh, as he looks to recover from that injury. Yeah, I agree with what you said. I think he's playing really hard, really, uh, you know, it was, a, it was kind of a play where really nothing was going on. He just kind of really, you could see him really try to take off and really run the floor hard and, uh, and, and those kinds of things, which is a good sign that he feels comfortable, you know, trying to, to open things up and do that, uh, particularly after, you know, getting hurt a little bit in the, uh, in the exhibition game. So, you know, I think he is, I've been surprised at, at where he's at at this point, even though to your point, I don't think he's, you know, what he was, 
uh, even last year before he got hurt. But but I think it's a good sign that he's already able to play, you know, meaningful to the extent you can call any minutes in this game, meaningful uh, minutes this early in the season. So I think it bodes well. They're going to work him through. And and he's a guy who you know, we've talked about. I don't know that there's any scenario with this team that he's going to play, you know, upwards of 25 minutes a game or something like that. But if you can get 15 good minutes out of him and really try to maximize him when he's in the game by getting him the ball in the post where he can really get things done. Because I think if you don't do that, you're, you're probably doing him a little bit of a disservice by playing him because you know, he's going to struggle a bit defensively. Um, so you've really got to get something out of having him on the floor and, and play to his strengths and do that. And um, so I thought he was able to get the ball in a couple different scenarios. Got to get to a point where he's able to knock down free throws a little bit better. But um you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of mismatches he can provide in a game. You know, Marquette might be an example of that where there's not really a, you know, they don't have a, a you know, a huge low post presence. Could he be a guy that you bring it in, slow it down a little bit, really, you know, pound the ball into and uh, and take advantage of what he can do. But I, yeah, I've been, you know, clearly a guy who's working hard to get back. And, and like I said, I've been pretty surprised at, at him being able to one play and two contribute uh, in these early games in the season. All right. It is game ball time, Andy. I don't think there's a really clear-cut winner here, so this will be interesting to see uh, to see where we go and if there's a tie that's going to have to be broken by the chat mob. I already see a few votes coming in in the chat mob, and I actually disagree with them, but I'll let you go first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, it's kind of a, a three-horse race between uh, Romeo, uh, Fitzner, and, and McRoberts. Um, I, I'll say Romeo just because, you know, one of, the, one of the spots in the first half when the game got it tight is really when he, you know, had that, I think 10, 11 point, uh, you know, scored 10 or 11 points in a row, uh, just kind of showed he could get to the basket in a game like this whenever he wanted to. Uh, the free throw shooting is really the only thing that gives me pause with picking him. But I thought even early in the game, he was really unselfish, uh, was able to, you know, set up other players, kicked it to Devante for a three, I believe got it to Juwan uh, for another basket. So I think you've, you've seen, you know, from him both defensively and, uh, it, you know, passing the basketball, I think you've seen, you know, pretty good all around skill set from him and, yeah, three-point shot hasn't gone in, and uh, the free-throw shooting wasn't great tonight, but I thought during that key stretch in the first half, which you could maybe argue McRoberts had a pretty big hand in, um, you know, I thought he was the one that really allowed IU to, you know, kind of pull away uh, for good uh, in that scenario. So I, I'll say him, but if you picked one of the other guys, I, I wouldn't argue with you. So I'll let you, uh, I'll give you the floor. Definitely honorable mention to Fitzner and Finnessy, who I thought played really well. You know, part of me really wants to go with McRoberts for all the reasons I stated before, but I guess I don't want to get too cute with it. Like, Romeo was the best player on the floor. That offensive explosion in the first half was awesome, put the game out of reach. He gets the game ball. I have a feeling, similar to what we did Yogi's senior year, where we kind of took his production for granted and the bar was so high for him to get a game ball. I have a feeling that's going to happen at some point with Romeo. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I like I said, I don't want to get too cute with it. He was the best player for a lot of the reasons that you said, you know, 19 points, four boards. And, and, and really, you know, something that we haven't talked a ton about is just the vision that he showed early on the three assists where he was really setting up his teammates, you know, before he got going himself, he really got other guys into it. And what also impressed me is only the one turnover from him, you know, coming off a game where he had four or five turnovers. So I thought he really improved, you know, really stepped up in his first game. So Romeo gets my game ball. And since we both agree on that, uh, that is the, uh, the official assembly call game ball um, for this game. Very nice. Uh, so, Andy, let's take a few quick minutes. What can you tell us about Montana State before we head into last call? Yeah, they are uh, just just trying to kind of think back to what I wrote up uh, for Inside the Hall this week. They're picked kind of middle of the pack in the uh, in the Big Sky Conference. So, you know, again, as as is the case with many of these games, should be um, you know should be a game that I use able to 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 take care of pretty handily. Um, so. Don't know a ton about them. They're not projected to be very good defensively. I think Ken Palm, they're 307 right now. So uh, haven't played a game. I'm not sure. I'll check here real quick while we're, while we're on here if this will be their first game or if they have another game uh, actually playing Utah State tonight. Um, so, yeah, you know, they'll have a game there. But I think it's it's one that IU should, uh, you know, should should take care of pretty easily. One of the, you know, kind of worst games left on IU schedule. Uh, it's a team that brings a lot of guys back, but the it's from a team that finished six and twelve in their league uh, a year ago and and really struggled uh, defensively there as well. So that's probably the reason that they're projected so low uh, this time around. So it should be another game for where IU can get things going uh, on the offensive end and um, you know kind of see what they can do defensively. They did take relatively good care of the basketball last year, so maybe if I use turnover 
uh, you know, forcing can continue. That'll be a good sign, but uh, a game that I, you should feel pretty, pretty good about and a good tune up for the uh, Marquette game, which would be the first real test of the season in the middle of next week. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com on both sites. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, Andy, it is time for Last Call. Final thoughts on Indiana's victory over Chicago State. Uh, you know, just a game that, that IU did what you would expect them to do against a, a vastly inferior uh, opponent. But, you know, like I said, I like the, you know, they maintained some intensity in the second half, played really well, uh, even with a 21-point lead going into the break. Um, and so I think you continue to see guys emerge. We're, we still are struggling a little bit to figure out what the rotation is going to look like given some of the injuries. Um but, uh, you know, I think you, you start, started to see, you know, all the things that made Romeo such a highly sought after guy that can score uh, just really smooth in the game tonight was able, like I said earlier, to get into the lane and kind of get whatever shot he wanted. And really, you know, by virtue of that, was able to get other guys, um, you know, whatever shots he may have wanted to get them. And so uh, I, I think he was a guy who didn't really force shots uh, in a game like this, which is a positive thing in my eyes. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see, you know, Juwan as the, as the competition starts to ramp up, you know, look a little bit more familiar uh, to what we've seen from him in the past, but I thought overall a, a solid performance on both ends of the floor and uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of good things there. I think the, at least the starting lineup is starting to shake itself out a little bit with really uh, in my eyes, the only remaining question that that one at point guard. So like I said, I think that's going to be a, an interesting storyline to watch here over the next couple of weeks as, as Devontae continues to be helpful, healthy, hopefully. Um, and then you really get to start to see how that shakes out uh, as you get into the, you know, the meat of the schedule. I think that's, from a starting lineup standpoint, that's the one unknown uh, at this point. And then, you know, for the rest of the rotation, we'll see when uh, when guys like Al and Jerome and Race can get back because I think everybody would expect them uh, to be part of it. But uh, good experience for everybody else and, and another game where uh, you saw contributions up and down the roster from uh, pretty much everybody that took the floor. So uh, a positive sign and uh, no injuries tonight, which was a, a, an upgrade over the exhibition game. So uh, we'll definitely take it. 1-0, uh, certainly a better start to the season than last year. And uh, and we yeah. move on to Montana State. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This, this is not a game that's going to get much discussion in the NCAA tournament committee room, uh, but it is a much better way to begin a season than what Indiana did last year. Uh, and I think it, it it's hard to know what to take away from games like tonight, but I think there are a lot of positive things to take away, especially from the new guys. What we saw out of Romeo Langford, what we saw from Robert Finnessy, you know, we saw more things to kind of continue allowing us to believe what we believe about those guys. Evan Fitzner really showed us what he can bring, and of course, Zach McRoberts was out there doing Zach McRoberts things. So I agree with you, Andy. Uh, hopefully, as as we head into this Montana State game and then into the bigger games, we see Jawan Morgan be more like Jawan Morgan. Uh, we see the offense start to get a little bit more continuity, and we see some of these injured guys start to come back. But all things considered, a really nice first official night out uh, a nice beginning to the you know what we all expect is going to be a short uh, uh, Romeo Langford era uh, but this is going to be a really exciting season it's one that we've been anticipating for a long time uh, and there's few better ways to begin a season like that than with a 49 point drubbing of your first opponent at home in Simon Scott Assembly Hall and that is exactly what we saw tonight so we will take it and that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, chat mobbers. make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. 
On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.